Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Red. Comprende. Mojo 5 I have a dream. is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. Black men thinking. Anytime you throw your weight behind a political party that controls two-thirds of the government and that party can't keep the promise that it made to you during election time, Black men thinking. If we lose freedom here, there's no place to escape to. This is the last stand on earth. And this idea that government is beholden to the people, that it has no other source of power except the sovereign people, is still the newest and the most unique idea in all the long history of man's relation to man. Whether we believe in our capacity for self-government or whether we abandon the American Revolution and confess that a little intellectual elite in a far distant capital can plan our lives for us better than we can plan them ourselves. Black men thinking, 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 thinking. In this present crisis, government is not the solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking, thinking, thinking. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking, here on the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility, Mojo 5.0 Radio, and also everywhere you would go for your favorite podcasts. And we do hope this is or is becoming one of them. I guess I always say that. But on this, the 18th day of September in the year of our Lord, 2023, let's get to work. Let me make this statement very clearly. The enemies of the, of the American Republic... The domestic enemies of the American Republic pay union dues. What do I mean by that? Well, uh, last week, our good friends, haha, at the UAW did the following. For the first time in history, the United Auto Workers Union launched a strike against the three big automakers, General Motors, Ford, and Jeep maker Stellantis, all at the same time. The UAW represents hundreds of thousands of auto workers all across the country, but only about 13,000 have walked off the job so far. Natalie Brand has the latest from the White House. 
No one wants a strike. President Biden, who prides himself in being pro-union, threw his support behind the United Auto Workers amid its historic strike against the big three automakers. Auto companies have uh, seen record profits. Those record profits have not been shared fairly, in my view, with those workers. Workers at three assembly plants in Missouri, Ohio, and Michigan took to the picket lines overnight, demanding higher wages, a shorter work week, and return of pensions. It feels good that we're actually out here standing up for what we deserve. Get this contract settled today so we can get our family fed. The United Auto Workers Union is asking for a 40% pay hike, but so far automakers have offered half that. For the life of the contract, the initial demands were over $100 billion. Uh, we're, we still have a ways to go with the offer they put on the table last night. GM CEO Mary Barrett told CBS News that companies need to step up their investment in new technology as vehicles transition from gas to EV. President Biden says he hopes both sides return to the negotiating table, and he sent the acting labor secretary and a senior advisor to Detroit. With each passing day, economists say the strike could be felt by all Americans. The best estimates that we've seen as far as the cost of the strike, um, it could potentially be upwards of $5 billion uh, of total damage in the first 10 days. UAW leaders say they expect to be at the bargaining table Saturday and are awaiting a response on their counteroffer. Natalie Brand, CBS News, the White House. So what does the UAW want? They are looking for pay increases over the next four years, ranging from 36 to 46 percent, depending upon what the latest offer is. That was their or counteroffer. Uh, GM is offering 20% over the next four years. Uh, let me just ask you, uh, for those of us who are not union employees and who actually do work for a living, because if you really think the United, uh, United um, Auto Worker Union members put in a hard day's work every day, you're kidding yourselves. But I won't get into that right now. I may get into that a little bit later, as this, uh, depending on how long this strike goes on. They want... Let's just call it 40%, kind of splitting the difference over four years, 10% per year. Are you getting that? And um, let's, let's get away from the bogus and socialistic argument that, well, the company's making so much money, they should get, I said, no, 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 you don't understand. The way business operates is you maximize profits and one of the biggest cost centers you have, which is not a profit center, but a cost center, is labor. You want to make as much money as you can while paying out as little as you need to. That's the way it's supposed to work. So as the company goes up, should everybody's pay increase? No. Well, the CEO, uh, their pay increases. Well, the CEO is the one most responsible for whether or not the company makes money. They're also the one most responsible if the company does not make money. They're the one taking the risks. They're the ones, along with the other leadership, who are actually creating the opportunities that make sure that anybody gets a job and anybody gets a check. I'm not going to begrudge anybody, any CEO, their pay, not because I agree with how much they're paid, but because that's between, it's a publicly owned company, that's between them and the owners, which happen to be the shareholders. If they don't like it, I guarantee you the CEO's pay would be clipped. And if the CEO does not deliver on what they are paid to get, which is earnings per share increases, year over year, well, the CEO is no longer employed or no longer under contract. 
But back to my point, are you getting 10% increase a year for the next four years? Oh, don't forget to couple that with a ooh, a a um a 20% reduction in the work week. So instead of a 40-hour work week, it's going to be 32 hours. That's what they want. That's what they're asking for. In addition to that, they want to be paid for those 32 hours as though they are working a full 40 hours. Let's do some math here. Just let's just, just humor me for a minute. So, because you need to understand how big this increase is, let's just do round numbers here. Let's say that you wanted to do this. You you were going to pay fictitious numbers. Let's say that you got ten dollars an hour. 40-hour work week, $10 an hour, it's 400 bucks a week. So you want 10% more than that? Okay, so now you want to make $440 a week. That's a 10% increase, right? Okay. Let's go back and look at that again. So if I make $440 for 40 hours, I got a 10% increase over my over my 10 bucks an hour. It makes it 11 bucks an hour. Got it. Let's say I make that same $440 a week for a 32-hour work week. Hello? That is, do the math on that, that is, let's see, 440 divided by 32 is, it's not 15, it's just under 14. Let's call it $13.75 an hour. Let's just call it that. So that 10% increase just became a 37% increase in pay. Anybody out there getting that? And you're getting that by refusing to work? Anybody else getting a 30? Anybody out there getting 37%? Oh, and of course they want they, they want their um, health benefits better than anything that you get. Much better. And are they paying for it? Probably not. You can... You really need to understand how, uh, oh, I'm sorry, let me, let me finish this part out. They want better pay, I just, I just explained that to you. They want better benefits, 32-hour uh, work week, company-financed health care in retirement. In other words, once you guys stop working, stop contributing to the company, and you are old and sick, now you want the company to pay for your health care. Now, of course, that money's not doing anything to produce products or to help the company remain competitive in any way, shape, or form. And guess what? The majority, I keep telling people this, if you get outside the federal government, I think 7% of the U.S. workforce is unionized. You know what happens when you're not unionized? You don't have... You don't have uh, health care funded in retirement. You don't have pension. You have a 401k and good luck. And one, because once you stop contributing to the company's um, growth and profitability, they no longer compensate you. They compensate you, and you get to do what you get to choose how to save that money as long as you're working there. Once you've gone, then the company moves on because you've moved on. You're not there anymore. Well, you know, I gave all these years to the company. No, they gave all this money to you. 
we we have it so backwards here. We actually think that employ employees are more are more important than employers when they're not. Because when employees start giving themselves a job, which of course they can, they can start their own business. Then I can make that argument. But they want a thirty-seven. They want a thirty-seven percent increase every year for the next four years. Because they want that ten percent uh, to go up. Ten percent this year. Ten percent next year. You know how it goes. The better benefits. Here's what you have now. They want company-financed f- health care in retirement. They also want all workers to receive a defined benefit pension. Currently, full-time workers hired after 2007 uh-huh, get 401k accounts with a 6.4% company contribution. A lot of us are used to that. 401k and the company matches funds up to a certain point. No, 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 no. We want to go back to what we had before 2007, which is pension. We don't put nothing into this. This is just you. You got that going? No, you don't? Oh, I'm sorry. Eliminating tiered employment. The union wants to end the tiered employment system that puts newer workers on lower pay scales with lesser benefits. In other words, folks who don't know nothing about making cars coming in the door, they need to make as much money as anybody else. And you know why all this is? Is because the more money that goes to the workers, if you want to call them workers, I don't. sometimes I'm not sure they are workers, the more union dues are collected that is it in a nutshell this is a this and remember you're not getting any benefit from this you're not us us autos are not the best quality automobiles in the world not anymore and this is as dumb as the whole 15 dollar an hour thing is you want to talk about pricing yourselves out of a job you want to sit there and you want a 37% raise? When you're not giving us 37% more productivity? Well, the company's making so much money. Yeah, and the company has to figure out how to stay in business. They're not like you. They don't think like you. Because now Fordism is doing that foolishness, which is, well, we got to invest in, in electronic vehicles. That's going to cost a lot of money. Now, if you don't want them to do electronic vehicles, uh, UAW, have you said anything about that? No, no, no. Oh, by the way, here's something interesting. I think you heard during that um, clip I played that our good friends have a, uh, are going to cost the U.S. economy up to $5 billion. And remember, we're just starting now because there's 146,000 UAW members and only 13,000 have gone out on strike so far. The idea, of course, is to start small, then ramp up the pressure, forcing more and more shutdowns as this is an industry-wide, uh, industry-wide at least a big three. Remember something else. This only affects American auto workers. I mean, or, or those at the, at the American big three. This doesn't affect Honda. This doesn't affect Hyundai. This doesn't affect Toyota. This doesn't affect Nissan or any of the other foreign quote-unquote companies who build their cars in the United States. Because many of those are not unionized. They build better cars too. What do you think is going to happen to these people who are, as they so, as they say, uh, cutting off their nose to spite their faces? 
you guys make money, give us more money. Well, no. Well, we're going to go on strike. Now, remember this. The $5 billion that they're probably going to cost the economy before some reasonable end to this, whatever that may be, they have a strike fund which was paid for by the companies against whom they're taking this action. Which means it was paid for by you because you buy the cars that give the money that go to the company that goes to the wages that goes into the union dues which then funds the strike fund. So they have a strike fund of $825 million. They have $825 million to hand out while the strike is going on. You want to do the math on that? $825 million, $146,000. That can keep some people going for quite a while. Particularly if they're not on strike. But here's the problem. Once you start sending people away, then the plant becomes less efficient and, the, and then even the ones who remain get sent home because, guys, a, there's a cost of keeping a plant open and it demands that you have a certain level of productivity. If you can't produce that, it costs more money than it's worth to have the plant open and you're better off just putting the thing in mothballs until the storm is over. People don't think about this. See, the problem is folks don't think. Um, but can I ask you how this in any way, shape or form demonstrates that the United Auto Workers or the unions are in favor of what's best for America. They're not in favor of what's best for America. The only thing that the unions in this country support is what's in their coffers. And at the end of the day, they extract their money directly or indirectly from you. And they do it to your detriment. They don't benefit you. Matter of fact, they're not thinking about you. We just want to get what we, what we deserve. What makes you see? That's that. Um, that's that entitlement crowd again, and that's your fault because you went away from telling people that you deserve what you can earn, as opposed to now you deserve what you cry about. You need to cry about. See, so you're not earning money. You're not making yourself better. You're just sitting here saying, "If I don't get what I want, then I'm not going to do anything." And you're and you're supporting this by saying, "Let me say this." I don't care about union history. I don't care about what used to happen in the in the uh, coal mines of, of West Virginia and elsewhere. That's not the problem we have today. That's like trying to tell me I need to worry about slavery. Slave, I don't care about slavery. Slavery was abolished 150 years ago. I know the problems in, in uh, American labor were not abolished that long ago, but America should be a right-to-work environment. And if you don't like the environment in which you're working, you don't like the pay, you should be able to go out there and make your case to get a better job with someone else if the people you're working for do not pay you. And if you are a disgruntled employee and not willing to do the job, the employer should be able to put your butt aside and get somebody else. I'm reminded of a Bible story where a landholder went and told somebody, said, you know what, why don't you go work in my field uh, today and I'll give you a penny. Went out like 6 o'clock in the morning. 
I'll give you a penny. And a penny in, the, in those times, in these, in these times, was equal to a day's wages. I'll give you a day's wages if, you know, at the start of the day, you work to the end of the day. Same landholder went out again around midday. And he found some other folks and said, you know, why don't you go to work, work uh, for me today and I'll give, you, I'll give you a penny as well. Same penny, fewer hours, less work. He went on a third time. It was near the end of the day. Call it, call it like a last hour of daylight. And he said, "I, you know, he still needs people work. Go into my field and I'll pay you a penny." And at the end of the day, everyone came to him and he paid them. He paid them what he agreed. And those at the beginning started complaining. Hey, hey, wait, wait a minute! You gave them more than you gave us, and 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 they didn't go. They didn't do as much work as we did. And the landholder said, wait a minute, wait a minute. Didn't you agree with me about your wages before you started work? What I do with my money is not your business. I'm trying, I'm trying to get something accomplished and you were not adequate to get it done so I had to get more people. And what I pay them to get what I want done is a business decision which is not something you're making. You don't want to, people don't want to understand that. Because now you think like leftists and you think like leftist females. It's a feminine culture we're dealing with now. We're going to have to get away from that. I don't know when it's going to happen, but we're going to have to get away from that. But that's what they're asking for. And you want to know the good part about this? If there is one. You take a look at what I call Biden speak. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go ahead and play this. This is a clip of what Joe Biden had to say, I believe it was on Friday, as the, um, as the, as the strike had settled in and things were getting on and Joe, Uncle Joe bumbled around in his normal way to try to say how it was a good thing that there's a strike going on. After negotiations broke down, the UAW announced the targeted strike and a few big three auto plants. Let's be clear. No one wants a strike. Say it again. No one wants a strike. But I respect workers' right to use their options under the collective bargaining system. And I understand the workers' frustration. Over generations, auto workers sacrificed so much to keep the industry alive and strong, especially through the economic crisis and the pandemic. Workers deserve a fair share of the benefits they help create for an enterprise. I do appreciate that the parties have been working around the clock. And when I first called them at the very first day of the negotiations, I said, please stay at the table as long as you can to try to work this out. And they've been around the clock and the companies have made some significant offers. But I believe they should go further to ensure record corporate profits mean record contracts for the UAW. I'll say that again. Record corporate profits, which they have, should be shared by record contracts for the UAW. And just as we're building an economy of the future, we need labor agreements for the future. It's my hope that the parties can return to the negotiation table to forge a win-win agreement. To continue our active engagement, I'm, dis I'm, dis I'm dispatching two members of my team to Detroit, Acting Labor Secretary Julie Hsu and White House Senior Advisor Gene Sperling, both of them have been involved up to now, to offer their full support for the parties in reaching a contract. The bottom line is that auto workers help create America's middle class. They deserve a contract that sustains them in the middle class. So no one wants to strike, huh? Then why are you allowing it? Because it wasn't that long ago that Congress 
was getting was uh, well the government federal government stepped in to prevent a rail strike oh no we can't have that well this is going to be devastating as well five billion dollars what about all the businesses that depend upon or are dependent upon the United uh, or the auto plants in their area all the all the cat all the um the parts stores, all the restaurants, all the other small businesses that now when you shutter those plants, it was just three small plants now. Oh, no, no, no. That's a start. What are you going to do for them? Well, you know, we can't interfere with collective bargaining. Well, they did that throughout the 1800s because they saw uh, strikes as anarchy, which it is. This is basically depriving businesses of property rights. I should be able to go out and do my business with whomever I please in order to pursue my business objectives. This whole strike thing says, no, you can't. And oh, by the way, remember who's really getting hurt? Well, the businesses are... I said, no, 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 no. The guys... mm -mm. Here's what's happening. You're going to pay more for an American car that's no better than it was before the strike began. Which means American workers are, like I said, they're cutting off their nose despite their face, which means people are going to buy more foreign cars. Now, what the union wants to do is find a way to get in there and force unions into these other plants that the UAW does not run right now. They haven't been very successful with that. I hope they never are. As for me, I don't support unions. We'll talk about that more in the next in the next segment. I don't report. I don't support any unions in the United States of America. There was a time when I might have, but that was a different America, and, these, and, and this is not your this is not your grandfather's union anymore. Stanley Levy, Black Man Thinking. We'll be back right after this. You want to wake up refreshed like you slept on a cloud. Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com and don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. Americans not in the armed forces will get less of the common foods to which they are accustomed. But by rationing, by sharing what we have, and by using our food supply wisely... Our nation at war can still support a healthy, active people. The subject of this great wartime experiment in food are not white mice or guinea pigs, but human beings fighting for their lives. It probably won't be that bad next time. Prepare with Mojo50.com. The Daily Mojo with Brad Staggs. The point I, I worry about, and there's Is there a point there in a here somewhere? I was kind of hoping we'd there. get to one sooner or later, but. <laughs> Well, I, it's got. You told me I have to do three, two, one, go. What's a, the point? I have to have a conclusion at the end. Good. Well, you're I'm at the end. So, go. Go. so get to that conclusion, would you? Because we're waiting. Go in three, two, one, and in summation, go. Um, we start polarizing and isolating people. And, and furthermore, with us. at the end of the day. If you can't beat them, join them. Every dog has its day. Easy come, easy go. For more of the political 
<laughs> rambling is rambling too generous? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe, I don't know, right? maybe it's just a rambling is good. Yeah. Right. Okay, rambling. Weekdays, eight Eastern. Mojo Five O. Oh, hi. Didn't see you there. I was busy eating this delicious meal from preparewithmojo50.com. You look hungry. Do you want some? Of course you do. Get your own. You can go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. You can't have mine. last segment that I don't support unions in America. I do not support labor unions in America at this time. I don't. And I know that's probably going to rub a lot of people the wrong way and they're looking at history and they're looking at, oh, what happened and how bad people were. I understand that. But let me do this. Let me go ahead and put your mind in a different state. This is from 1978 and I think it's the International Ladies Garment uh, whatever that is, that's a very long name. I'm just going to play this for you and then I'm going to comment afterward. There used to be more of us in the International Ladies Garment Workers Union, but a lot of our jobs have disappeared. A lot of the clothes Americans are buying for women and kids are imports. They're being made in foreign places. When the work's done here, we can support our families and pay our taxes and buy the things other Americans make. That's what it means when the label says union. Look for the union label When you are buying one coat dress or blouse Remember somewhere our union sewing Our wages go in to pay the kids And run the house we work hard But who's complaining? When still the ILG we're paying our There's not a word of that lyric that I don't support, but that was 1978, and you heard the man in the preamble saying before they started singing, "Where's not? there's not as many of us in the union because our jobs have been shipped overseas. Excuse me, are the American people responsible for that, or did your government, going back as far as the 1950s, and accelerating in the 1970s when Nixon went to China, have they been shipping your jobs out, making it so that people could not even continue to ply their trade in the United States? North Carolina, as I remember, uh, as I recall, was once a powerhouse for the furniture industry. You, if, if you bought furniture in the United States, it was being made in North Carolina. It's not anymore because those jobs have been shipped out. There was a time when unions were basically a representation of we are trying to band together so we can continue to support our families because somebody is working against us to drain our resources. And we're just asking for your help not to 
not to contribute to that. Please buy what we make. We make good stuff. We really do. You're buying cheaper stuff, but it's not better than ours. Look at the, not only do we buy be, not only do we make better stuff here in America. This is 1978. I'm talking about, of course. But when you buy it from us, you're helping you're helping fellow Americans. Because we're not out to hurt you. We want to pay our way by working. We work hard, but who's complaining? Oh my goodness, do you have you heard that from any unionized employee recently? No, you haven't. Because what you're hearing now See, in that song, you didn't hear anybody complaining about, well, you know, uh, the CEO of the uh, of the garment company that I work for makes so much money. I said, they're not worried about that because they were thinking the way workers are supposed to think. Unless and until you're ready to hang out your own shingle, it ain't none of your business what the boss makes. If you don't like what the boss makes, go change companies. It's none of your business. These were Americans appealing to other Americans to help them reverse the impact of what your government had been doing for decades, even up to that point, of shipping American jobs overseas and thereby undercutting the republic that your forefathers bled to build. I'm in favor of that. But is that what's going on in the United Autos Workers Union? Oh, heck no. Because if you were doing that, you wouldn't be sitting up here with an $825 million strike fund to make sure that you could sit there and put pressure on everybody, including your fellow Americans, as you sit there and, and suck money out of the economy that you're not going to put back in. Well, you know, we're, we're, we're going to pay our strike fund and pay our bill. I said, excuse me, what about all the concessions? What about all the small businesses that were contributing even more than your wages? Because a whole lot of your wages were going back, just going to the union. The union doesn't do the union coffers. That doesn't do diddly or his brother squat for the economy. That $825 million has been sitting idle. It's not doing anything. Oh, maybe you're investing it. I don't know that they are. It's mostly cash. You don't get it. The UAW does not give a rip about the American people. They are basically playing class warfare, which is not what unions used to do. Unions used to point out inequities, but it wasn't saying they're you know, these guys. No, it's like, look, this specific thing, the coal miners, the coal miners were getting abused. They pointed out the abuse. The only way they could keep themselves from getting killed was to band together. I, I support that, but that's not what's going on anymore. At least nowhere near the level we saw in the early 1900s. And I'll go back to it. If the, if the federal government was willing to step in to stop a labor strike, why aren't they willing to stop it and do this? It's the same Joe Biden. Same Joe Biden. Well, provided you think the guy in the White House is actually Joe Biden. I, I don't. Different story. Different topic entirely. So when you look at the unions that you have now, do you think the United States Postal Service workers, are, 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 they, are they working for you? As the cost of a stamp increases and the service does not, the, the quality of service does not increase, fewer letters are not getting lost in the mail? 
They're being outcompeted. You think you think uh, police unions are? Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about police officers. You, you think police unions are working for your benefit? They are not. Teachers unions? Oh please. Do we need to go around about and start talking about U.S. education and it, and how it is basically sucking hind tit on? educational outcomes K through 12 compared to the rest of the world? Do we need to do that? But they want more money. They, they, they keep crying about how they're abused and, and they, do, they do even less to guide your children. And they're trying to turn your children into folks who hate you, hate the nation, and would do abominable things in the sight of God and all that is supposed to support what? And you're paying for this. And the union is four square behind all of the grooming, all of the lack of educational results. Really? You supporting that? Well, you know, I'm in a trade union. Okay. How's that helping? Who is that helping? You're driving up prices for for normal Americans. Is that helpful? Well, we're trying to make sure we got quality. Quality has to cost how much? Don't get me wrong. I'm not against anybody making a fair wage. But when you decide to make your case for a fair wage at the expense of your fellow Americans, which is exactly what the UAW is looking to do, is exactly what the rail road strike was going to do and the whole point of that was they had got themselves into a critical industry to the point where if they did go on strike they knew it was going to be crippling to America and therefore say if we cripple the country they'll give us what we want do you really sound does that really sound like somebody who's working for the good of the country no no indeed absolutely not so I don't support any of these clowns anymore. No, not at all. Somebody tells me they're in a union, I just I just say I say nothing. If they ask me about unions, they'll get an earful. You're not you're you're not you're not a you're not a fellow American as far as I'm concerned as long as you support that union. Now, there are places where if you're going to work in a particular field, you have to accept the fact that you're going to be part of a union. I understand that. And that's not the union workers' fault. That's your fault because you kept voting for these Democrats and you kept supporting these Democrats and you kept doing all that. So Because all this is there because the only people opposing right-to-work laws are Democrats. Well, what, what, what about the, 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 the great pickers' unions? I understand that. They had a point. But Cesar Chavez is dead. And they don't have the same problem now that they had then. And the whole reason that the, that the uh, agricultural industry would use these people is because it was the only way to find someone with adequate endurance and skill at a price they could afford that would actually allow them to bring in their crops at a price that people would pay so they could make a profit. 
You have to understand something. If you want the United States of America to work, you got to stop supporting workers and start supporting the businesses that hire them. You want them to do well. That's what you want. You want them to make as much money as possible and you want them to keep their expenses as low as possible because you know what happens when you do that? There's no inflation. Do you think what's going on with the United Auto Workers is going to help inflation or make it worse? What do you think is going to happen? Do you think that if the the uh, the rail workers had been allowed to strike, that that was going to help the economy and lower inflation, or was it going to hurt the economy and, and jack it up? What do you think? Because all these unions now, do, let me ask you a question. When's the last time a teacher strike did anything for your children? Well, you know, we love the kids, but, I always love the but. We love the kids, but we're only getting paid. So you're getting paid more than other. You're getting paid more than anyone else in the world to do a worse job than literally any industrialized country, and you're whining that you don't have enough money. Maybe if you did a better job, people wouldn't mind paying you. Hey, you know what? Why don't you get rid of the union in the public sector, which is the same thing FDR and George Meany said back in the day that there was no place in the public sector for collective bargaining. You should not have unions in the public sector. Why? Because now you have somebody arguing against the public. That's exactly what they do. They argue, and you know what? You don't even get to vote. You don't get to vote on these contracts. People who, do, you elect some knuckleheads who get kickbacks from the union to put, a, put together sweetheart deals and you're just the one stuck with the bill. You don't know this? Tell, I'm, 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 I'm curious, you don't know this? Because if you don't, it's unfortunate, but I understand. But I won't stop saying that it is unfortunate. This is something that needs to stop. People going in and saying, you know what, if you don't give us what we want, we're not gonna just hold, we're not gonna hold you hostage. We're not gonna, we're, we're gonna hold an industry hostage and that industry is gonna hurt all of America and not just where we live, but all over the country. The country is going to bleed until we get what we want. And we're okay with the country bleeding because we need to get ours and if the country can't get what they want until we get ours, that's okay with us. Do you think that's what the, do you think, if I play that song again, do you think that's what the international labor Labor, ladies garment workers union people were singing about you know you know we work hard and you ain't and you ain't helping that's not what they were saying they said you know we work hard and who's complaining how do you know they work hard because of the quality of the garments they were producing that's how you knew now you have cars now that cost more money than ever and you know what? Y'all can't touch Honda. Y'all can't touch Nissan, Mitsubishi, even Hyundai has stepped up. When I say I don't support unions, that's what I mean. Because when I look at 
what I have in unions today, I am reminded that that is exactly what a domestic enemy of the United States Constitution looks and acts like. As a result, I don't want anything to do with them. If you want to support them, you knock yourselves out. I am done with them. And I'm far from the only one. Listen to the small businesses who run their operations nearby auto plants. Listen to their reaction to what's going on in this clip that was on uh, CBS News this past Sunday. Good evening and thank you for joining us. Tonight, the head of the United Auto Workers tells CBS News that the historic strike could soon spread to other plants. Right now, thousands are on the picket lines at three factories in Michigan, Missouri and Ohio. That could slam the brakes on the economy. The Labor Department reports the U.S. lost more than four million days of work due to strikes and lockouts last month. It is the highest level in more than 20 years. CBS's Chris Van Cleve leads us off tonight from Wayne, Michigan. Good evening, Chris. The UAW confirms a meeting with General Motors today and called a negotiating session with Ford Saturday reasonably productive. But Jerika, no deal yet, which means these workers remain on strike. UAW in the house right now? Yeah. Rallying the troops on day three of the United Auto Workers strike against Detroit's big three car makers. So we just want to get what's owed to us. Negotiations resumed Saturday, yielding some progress, but so far no deal to get any of the nearly 13,000 striking workers off the picket line and back on the production line. UAW President Sean Fain on Face the Nation. These companies have made a quarter of a trillion dollars in the last 10 years, $21 billion in the last six months alone, and our workers' wages and, and, and conditions have went backwards. The union is currently seeking at least a 36% raise, cost of living and job protections, as well as an unwinding of concessions made during the Great Recession back in 2007. Automaker offers center around a raise of about 20%. GM CEO Mary Barra Friday. How does this end? Problem solving and getting uh, what is the right deal for employees that recognizes their hard work. We want to make sure we have job security by uh, having great products people want to buy over the next handful of years. Friday at midnight, workers at plants belonging to Ford, General Motors, and Chrysler parents Stellantis in Michigan, Missouri, and Ohio walked off the job when the union contract expired. If we don't get better offers and we don't get down to take care of the members' needs, then uh, we're going to amp this thing up even more. Maria Nudelai worries that could cause her Motor City bar and grill to sputter. The Stellantis plant across the street drives nearly 80% of her business. It's very scary. You know, you got bills, you got payments, you got mortgages to pay, um, kids to feed. Citing the ripple effect of the strike, Ford says it has had to temporarily lay off about 600 workers at this plant. And Jerica General Motors says it expects to have to idle a plant in Kansas that employs more than 2,000 people as soon as Monday. Wow, that's huge. Chris Van Cleve, thank you. That bar and grill owner telling you that 80% of her business comes from the auto plant that's across the street. You could say the same thing in different places for people who drive lunch trucks and they pull up at the appointed hour and serve people and that's their lifeblood. That's how they feed their families. And now the United Auto Workers, because they don't want to do that, in other words, they're going to screw everybody. And that's their attitude. Screw everybody till we get ours. And the problem more than anything else is not that you support the aims of them getting more money, but that you support their attitude and their means to get it. That should not be supported. You should be going to to the United, uh, not the 
to the uh, auto or auto plate makers and saying, you know what? We need our businesses open too. So if these folks don't want to work, get somebody to cross that picket line so that we will get somebody to, so, so that we can have our families. We can pay our bills as well because we're no less important than the folks who don't want to work for what you pay them. We're no less important. But that, by the way, folks, is just not how people think anymore. You've gone soft. You're not American anymore. You're tribal. And, it's, and the thing is, it's not the American tribe. It's the union tribe. It's the racial tribe. It's the LGBTQ tribe. It's the woman tribe. It's all tribal. And there is no tribe anymore that's called America. The melting pot idea is gone. You have taken it out of your discussion. You've allowed it to be never, no more discussed in your schools. None of the, it's not, the church in America is a waste of time for the, I'm sorry. And I say this as somebody who was or is, depending on how you look at it, a member of the clergy. The church is a wa- the American church is a waste of time because the churches see all this stuff happening and do absolutely nothing about it. Absolutely nothing. As a matter of fact, particularly in the black church, not just the black church, but the black church and the liberal white churches, not only will they not stand up for morality and the word of God, they are going out of their way to support and to be sympathetic toward these groups that hate God. I've said this and I've gotten in trouble for it. Guys, you can't get out of the first chapter of Romans without getting a clear description of those who pro- promise and promote, excuse me, those who practice and promote homosexuality as being those described by the Apostle Paul in the Word of God as haters of God. So, how you can be part of a Christian denomination, a Christian church, a Christian anything, and support people who hate God? support their ideology, support their identity, support their whatever. No, no, no. You're supposed to be trying to get to these people and pull them out of the fire because that's where they're headed. You need to, you need to be telling these people, you need to recognize that these, these people need help and you need to love them the same way that, that you understand God loves them. God doesn't agree with them. And God will let them go to a place they don't want to go if they don't change their minds. You're supposed to be God's representatives here on earth. How is it that you are encouraging them to do the very things that will destroy them? And that's the worthless... mm, All right. Let me change gears. I saw something earlier. uh, Last week, I... I think it was this weekend, this past weekend. I think that was when the um, U.S. Open wound up. And um, Coco Golf, another leftist black female, though very young, they had some type of a climate protest during the during the U.S. Open. I think it was during one of her matches that caused a stoppage that was longer than 40, 45 minutes. I think it was 49 minutes total stoppage. 
stoppage of play. And at the end of it, Coco Golf, you know, that sage of, uh, po- of popular political thinking, went out and said, you know, I support what they're doing. Chick, nobody cares what you support. But um, I digress. I'm not upset with because I'm not surprised by Coco Golf's absolute leftist idiocy. That's what I expect of black females in positions of notoriety. There is there is almost none. The only one that I can think of right now because of her political office would be Winsome Sears in Virginia, the lieutenant governor. But when you start looking at black women of prominence in this country almost to a woman provided you know how to define that word they are leftist knuckleheads but my surprise was not at Coco Golf, but at Carrie Lake who was sitting up here saying well you know we should go ahead and support uh, Coco Golf, even though she I said no we should be calling out Coco Golf. That's what we should be doing. But obviously, you want to pander. I get it. I don't like it, but I get it. You want to pander. Because here's what Carrie Lake um, said. Coco Golf won her first Grand Slam title at just 19 years old. The last time, the last time, an American woman won the tournament was in 2017. This is an incredible achievement. Coco, you made your country proud. Bull crap. Bull crap. No, you did not. I am not proud of Coco Golf in any way, shape, or form. And there is no way on God's green earth I could ever have pride in anyone who embraces the climate change nonsense it's just because you put old glory out there near her. Oh, so there it is. She's standing near an American flag. She doesn't. She's she's not American in her thinking. Why would I be proud of her? I'm ashamed of that chick, and will remain that way indefinitely. So miss me with this, and pay attention to how Miss Lake overlooks the anti-Americanism of this U.S. Open winner to score points with the black female voting block, which is about as far left as it comes in this country. There is nothing that black female voters in this country as a voting block support that betters America. Not one thing. But you're reaching out and pandering to them by by congratulating Coco Golf. Really? You know what? When you allow somebody to talk long enough they show their true colors and I'm going to turn this over to my good friend Ron Edwards after that we'll be back with hour two of Black Man Thinking When a sovereign individual, a private sector organization, or even a legitimate government has a tried and true good idea, it doesn't have to be forced upon any adult in possession of reasonable intelligence. Hello, I'm 
Ron Edwards. On today's Face from the Edwards Notebook, brought to you by Constitutional Grounds Coffee. When we the people are inundated with government mandates and rumors of government mandates, which, by the way, are not laws, I am immediately reminded that if, for example, coronavirus jabs were good for us, we would only need to learn about the benefits and be free to partake or not partake. If law-abiding sovereign adults were safer without guns, they would not be bullied by government officials like the governor of New Mexico into not publicly carrying their weapons and would voluntarily dispose of all firearms. So it seems that the logical conclusion is for all well-intentioned individuals to understand that when officials seek to force you to do something against your will and common sense, perhaps it would behoove you to at best trust but verify or reject out of hand any effort of government or global organizations to force you to obey their mandates. The life you save and the unalienable rights you protect may be your own. Think, McFly, think! I'm... Run it, is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo Five O. He's not going anywhere. Lisa Brady, Fox News. New Jersey's senior senator, Democrat Bob Menendez, refusing calls to step down over corruption allegations, predicting he'll be exonerated. To those who have rushed to judgment, you have done so based on a limited set of facts framed by the prosecution to be as salacious as possible. Remember, prosecutors get it wrong sometimes. Sadly, I know that. A previous corruption case ended with a hung jury six years ago. Menendez denies the new charges, which include accepting bribes from three businessmen in exchange for using his influence to help them and the Egyptian government. Prosecutors say federal agents found nearly a half million dollars in cash, plus gold bars. For 30 years, I have withdrawn thousands of dollars in cash from my personal savings account which I have kept for emergencies and because of the history of my family facing confiscation in Cuba. So Menendez insists that was his own money and says he looks forward to addressing other issues at trial. Last week, he temporarily resigned his leadership post on the Senate Foreign Relations Committee. President Biden hosting the second forum with Pacific Island leaders and expanding relations with two of them. The United States is formally establishing diplomatic relations with the Cook Islands. Also the island of Niue, the president emphasizing the U.S. commitment to a free, open, prosperous and secure Indo-Pacific. This amid ongoing threats from China. The president also says he's working with Congress to invest $40 billion in Pacific Island infrastructure. Congress has until this weekend to avoid a government shutdown. Well, you have to keep the government open. I mean, if people want to close the government, it only makes it weaker. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy critical of several Republican holdouts who oppose a short-term bill to keep the government open while work continues on longer-term appropriations bills. America is listening to Fox News. Hi, I'm Watson Prenier, the host of Battle for Freedom that is triggering change Mondays through Fridays at 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time on Mojo Fiber Radio. Check it out.
supply line interruptions are definitely here to stay, especially given the incredible talent we have working at the U.S. Transportation Department. However, you don't need to fear these interruptions. You can be prepared. Go to preparewithmojo50.com. That's preparewithmojo50.com. Jeremy Leahy is on Mojo 50 Radio. We had a mayor in Boston, uh, Maddie Walsh, because everyone knows his Maddie Walsh. Um, good guy, really came from the bottom of the barrel, major league alcoholic, got his crap together, really did, and became the mayor of Boston. Jim Browdy was sitting down with Kamala Harris. What do you actually see in Martin Walsh? I mean, what, what, is, what is that about? I love Maddie. Uh, I love Maddie. Why? You don't take any BS. Oh. You, you shoot straight. You call it for what it is. That's not Maddie. That's not Maddie. When she did that, I said, oh, I gotta figure out there's gotta be a movie that can go along with this. I'm figuring, oh my god, perfect. The movie Ted. I love Maddie. You ever ever hear a Boston girl have an orgasm? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Had it. Had it. Oh, God. That was so good. Jeremy Leahy, weekdays 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Right here on Mojo 5.0 Radio. American Pride Roasters Coffee. Historically, great coffee. AmericanPrideRoasters.com What's a mojo? What's a mojo? 20 bucks, same as downtown. Mojo 5 solution to our problem. Government is the problem. Black men thinking, thinking, thinking. Family Levy with Hour 2 of Black Men Thinking here in the vanguard of personal freedom, personal liberty, and personal responsibility. Mojo 5.0 Radio and everywhere you go for your favorite podcast. Definitely hope this has become or is becoming one of them.
So I want to. There's something else I really want to talk about. But I got to hit this first. Um, they're going for the okie doke again on COVID vaccines. And let's remember last year, they told us all this testing. They told us about how effective it was. For example, they told us that I I can't remember which one. I think it was Pfizer that was used in Israel was you know, touted to be 95% effective, and in the field it turned out to be like 39% effective. They lied. We're finding out that, of course, they lie about everything. And the interesting thing to me is, if you go back and look at flu vaccines in the United States and look at their effectiveness over time, I think the best year you will see over the last decade and a half was maybe 40%. However, and they isolate those viruses, so they know about the Hong Kong flu and the Spanish flu and the and the Asian flu and all this other good stuff. They got all that stuff. They isolate for that, and they and and they're only forty percent effective in a good year. But a vaccine for it's not a vaccine; it's a different thing. But we won't go into that. But a shot to counter a virus that they've never isolated and is not part of the vaccine solution because a lot of times we have live virus vaccines where they get the vac- they get the virus they either kill it or they weaken it and then they inject it into you and your body um, fighting off a dead or a weakened virus learns how to deal with the real thing that is live and in living color when it comes to you that's not what they're doing with COVID-19 and the side effects and the sudden deaths and everything else has been horrific, underreported, because your female-dominated news media is a bunch of co- they're codependent and they're enablers. And they want you to be scared and they want you to be controlled and the government, of course, is the one looking to exercise the control. And the World Economic Forum and the, and the World Health Organization is after all that because, I'm sorry, they've made it crystal clear that they believe there are too many people on the planet. And this year isn't over yet. And you're going to see, if I, rem- if I recall what I read correctly, you're going to see more devastation among those who took those shots back in 2020 and afterward in this year and maybe early in the next year than ever before. It is the, it is the vaccine, if you want to call it a vaccine, with the most reported adverse events in the history of their tracking, which goes all the way back into the mid 20th century. Although, uh, maybe, eh, well, no, that, it goes back. And we're not, and it's not even close. We're talking in a, in a, in a bad year, you would usually have maybe 48,000, 50,000 adverse events. With COVID-19 in 2021, you saw more than 700,000 adverse events. And you saw more you, oh my gosh, thousands upon thousands of deaths. And this is not me making, this is HHS data, which they keep online for anybody who has a computer to download and look at in Excel. 
But now they come out with a new vaccine, and they're saying, yeah, they're, you know, and you got the you got the same talking head. This is safe. This is this that. And it. Didn't you tell us that before? So you went for the okie doke last time. Bless your hearts. So uh, I believe you're going to go for it this time. I, I do. And um, <laughs> the testing that they've done for this new one, I'm looking at a Newsweek Newsweek report. They tested it on mice. On mice. No test, no no human trials, no human tests on the new vaccine. After the last vaccine, devastated people, devastated young people, devastated young men. I still wonder why it is that people didn't look at all the people in international soccer who were just falling out on the pitch. Some of them falling out dead. And you looked at that young man for the Buffalo Bills who suffered a heart attack after a routine tackle and you still can't get it through your head that this thing is dangerous because you because you female-minded individuals are going to line up again and take these shots and then wonder why anything bad could happen because you don't have this you don't have the sense God gave roadkill it's amazing to me they tested it on mice. Here's something here. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf wrote on Twitter, or what was, what was Twitter, on August 25th, that clinical trial data from other bivalent mRNA COVID-19 boosters was taken into account for the new boosters. Preliminary tests conducted by Pfizer in June 2022 were done on eight mice. The actual number of mice involved in the recent trials is unclear. Data provided by Pfizer to the CDC on Tuesday, oh boy, indicated trials involving female mice, 10 per group, were provided a primary series of mono. So if the mice survive, it's good enough for you. We're not going to try it out on anybody. Of course, when they tried it out on people before, they didn't tell you how many people they killed. They swept that under the rug. But you know what? You're going to line up for this because you because you you don't. I do not know how we actually became a superpower country with people who are as, are as gullible as we have in the nation right now. I, I, I don't get it because that's not that's not how we overcame the British. That's not how we ended slavery. That's not how we ended Jim Crow. That's not how we won World Wars one and two by being a bunch of com, a bunch of compliant income poops who go for any okie doke the government says. But that's what you are now. They're going to try and shut it down. They're going to they're, they're going after the mandates again, masks and vac- vaccines, even though the courts have now acted and told them, you can't do that. You know they're going to try it again, all for the same reason. We just want to make sure people are safe, which is not the government's responsibility. That's your responsibility. And you have the resources that the government gets out of the way to handle that yourself unless you just are some type of incompetent who probably needs to be culled, culled, C-U-L-L-E-D, from the gene pool. 
if you can't manage your own safety against the flu you should be dead anyway because they're definitely going to try and take you out I'm just going to put that in your ear let me move on to the next topic which is what I really want to discuss with you uh, Joe Biden and his lying secretary of uh, Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas who is that dude that is one evil dude that is one evil anti-American hate America dude and he cannot speak a true sentence but anyway they're ramping up the border invasion I, I, don't, I don't know if you were aware of that but they are they're coming for you now and it is very blatant it is very open to the point where you know what they're doing now they're letting folks cross the border processing them and then just dropping them on the street for you just and letting them go with nothing to follow up on that you don't believe me here's what's happening in Arizona more than 20,000 migrants are reportedly in CBP custody this morning. Sources telling News Nation holding facilities, volunteer organizations, and shelters along the southern border are literally bursting at the seams. And an Arizona sheriff is sounding the alarm as border officials release migrants into the streets. That move motivating Cochise County Sheriff Mark Daniels, uh, mayors, also city leaders, and other law enforcement officers to hold a news conference this afternoon addressing the issue. Correspondent Allie Bradley is down in Cochise County for us. Uh, Allie, the sheriff there says he was blindsided. Do I have that right? Yeah, pretty frustrated here as we're seeing the results of this maxed out system. And it's in the form of street releases, you guys. So this is what's going on down here. This is exactly what it sounds like. People are being released into these small rural communities. And the sheriff here saying that he's furious over the move, saying he wasn't even notified until agents already released a dozen people at this Safeway in the tiny town of Bisbee. Sheriff Mark Daniels telling me it happened throughout the day yesterday, about 40 people in three different drop-offs and more are expected here today, Marky. Now, Ali, you said even more migrants are set to appear in these smaller towns. Why is this happening and where are they entering from at this point? What's really interesting here is Sheriff Mark Daniels tells me that the people that are being released into these communities aren't even crossing here, Marky. They're crossing in other areas and they're actually being transported to Cochise County in order to be processed by Border Patrol. And then, yeah, they're being released into these small communities. So agents in the San Diego sector and the Tucson sectors all confirming that once migrants are processed, they're being released into these communities. This includes Bisbee, Douglas and Nogales. The Tucson sector has regularly been one of the busiest, exceeding CBP capacity, forcing those Border Patrol agents to send those people elsewhere. And the migrants are ending up on the streets to fend for themselves in these remote areas where there are no bus depots or airports. They're, they're expediting these uh, processes, get them in the country quicker because they're trying to alleviate that load, that pressure onto the system at DHS. We don't have the basic essentials and needs that most people have. That's why you take them to more urban areas where they have logistical support for them. So they're wandering around the county here. And until they change their strategy, we're in trouble in County. 
Now, Sheriff Mark Daniels tells me that he's been in communication with Governor Katie Hobbs, as well as both Senators Kelly and Cinema, about solutions to this problem. You guys mentioned that news conference this afternoon. Now, our reporting also getting the attention of Arizona Congressman Juan Siscomani, where he's saying that small communities like Cochise County are left paying the price of the president's border policies. Nick. And Ali, it seems to be extremely difficult because it seems to put agency against agency. You're saying that he had no idea that they would be dropped off there by Border Patrol, and this just seems to be uh, an untenable process. That was a News Nation report from the 14th of September, I believe, just last week, late last week. So they're bringing people into the country in one location, processing them, then going to another community in Arizona and just turning them loose on the street. Nothing about... Um, Nothing about going back to a court date. Nothing about whether or not they're seeking asylum. No, none of all of that stuff. We're just, we're just, young hearts run free. That's the, that's what you're getting now. Now, of course, you guys want to wait until election to do something about it. So, well, the people of Arizona should be doing this. Okay, remember what? Remember the lineup you have in California. I mean, in, in Arizona, California's a different story. You got Katie Hobbit. I mean, Katie Hobbs. Well, she is a hobbit, but that's a different story. KB, Katie Hobbs, Kirsten Cinema, Mark Kelly, and all this goes up to Joe Biden. Which of those individuals do you honestly think is going to do a thing to stem the flow of illegal immigrants with nothing other than a pat on the butt from CBP to go directly onto the streets of Arizona with no tracking, no supervision, no nothing. Well, Stan, they only said that like 40 kids, 40 people hear that. Now. You don't know, you don't understand how small some of these towns are. 40 people is not an insignificant number of people for some of the towns they're dropping folks off on. Well, but they also mentioned San Diego. So let me let me um, tell you let me let me let you hear what it's like in San Diego, and then maybe you'll have a slightly different view of things. Malugin, he's live in Mission, Texas, for us. Hey, Bill. Hey, Sandra, Border Patrol simply cannot keep up with the sheer volume of people crossing our border illegally right now. Every day this week, they've had more than 7,000 apprehensions of illegal immigrants. And we want to show you what these mass releases look like. Take a look at this video out of San Diego yesterday afternoon. What you're looking at is three unmarked white Border Patrol buses. They pull up and they start releasing several hundred illegal immigrants to city streets and sidewalks in San Diego across from a transit terminal. Uh, people were on this bus from as far away as China and Pakistan. And keep in mind, these buses are not from Texas. They're not Greg Abbott's buses. These are the Biden administration's buses. This is Border Patrol mass releasing people. You can see handfuls of them are standing around not knowing where they are, what to do, where to go next. And there was a remarkable exchange between one migrant and a Border Patrol agent as he asked the agent, hey, am I okay to travel to Chicago? And the agent says, yep, you're good to go. Take a listen. Chicago. 
And these mass releases also taking place in Border Patrol's Tucson, Arizona sector. We shot this video in Sierra Vista, Arizona, yesterday afternoon. A Guatemalan family dropped off by Border Patrol in a Dollar Tree parking lot, just a random store parking lot. They didn't know where they were. They didn't know what to do. And the local sheriff out there says these mass street releases aren't fair to the community. They're not fair to the migrants. Take a listen. People come from all over the country to smuggle here, endanger this community, the citizens, and we worked united to, to combat that. Then to find out yesterday that uh, CBP is doing street releases, as they call them, safe. There's nothing safe about it. Meanwhile, here in the state of Texas, Texas is trying to stand its own ground without the help of the federal government. The video you're looking at here in El Paso as Texas National Guard soldiers continue to use razor wire and physical manpower to try to block large masses of migrants trying to enter the United States illegally. That group of migrants waiting in the Rio Grande, expecting to be led into the country, but the state of Texas blocking them. That again happening in El Paso. And back out here live, CBP sources tell Fox News that border numbers for the month of August are going to be around 230. 30,000 migrant encounters. That would be the highest number or the highest month for 2023 and would come at a time when the White House is claiming progress and, quote, stopping the flow here at our southern border. That is simply not the reality on the ground here. We'll send it back to you. I appreciate your reporting from there. Bill Malugin in Mission, Texas for us. Thank you. Definitely a lot of things you could say. 231,000 people a month. You know, if, if that's the flow that you would have seen, you know, I mean, that's that's nearly, that's more than two and three quarter million people per year. That's, and they're not keeping track of them. We don't know where they're going. We don't, they're not being required to account for themselves or to come back and come to a hearing. And then if they, if, if their asylum claims, if that's what they're making, uh, turn out to be bogus, and most of them are, they're not being deported. So you're being invaded. You're being brought, what you're, be, what you're basically seeing is a new, a, a new um, voting block being brought in with no allegiance to anything American. The only thing they can have any type of Allegiance too would be the Democrat Party that has allowed them to come in and take over in this country, paid their way, and continue to pay them once they get here. So when it comes voting time, well, who do you think they're likely to support? And you're sitting up here waiting on an election to fix this. By the time you get around to doing something about an election, you may be outnumbered in a number of communities by folks who have no legal business in the country to begin with. But you're still waiting on the election because you want to be peaceful. I'm sorry, I'm not interested in being peaceful. I, am, I have no problem being peaceable. But the Democrat Party has declared war on the American Republic. And they're basically bringing in all kinds of people who do not have any allegiance to American ethics, American ideals, don't even necessarily know what they are. All they were told was come here, get money, and that's it. And I see everybody, oh, Trump had another rally, Trump had a speech, Trump had this, and I'm going to tell you something, Trump's not the answer, because no matter what you do with Trump, the next time he would be up, have an opportunity to do anything would be January of 2025. What do you think things are going to look like after another year and a half of what you see right now?
Are you serious? You're ser are you serious? Well, you know, we have to be peaceful. Really? So while the illegal immigrants come through and the coyotes and the cartels traffic not only people but drugs and they are killing your young people with the drugs and a number of the illegal migrants illegal aliens, illegal immigrants, they're all illegal, call them whatever you want to, are out here actively killing people, committing crimes and atrocities, violent, sexual, and otherwise against American citizens having been invited here and, and then given a red, the red carpet treatment, relatively speaking, they get treated better than you. And you have California and New York and, and Illinois and all these other places who want to be sanctuary states for people who have no allegiance to or concern for this nation. Really? And you guys are cool with that. Oh, I, don't, I, I really don't like it. What are you doing about it? I wrote my congressman. Really? Really? Congress needs to act to reform the, uh, 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 the, uh, the, uh, the immigration laws. That's what we need. No. The Secure Borders Act, if you went back and read that, if, they, if the federal government would enforce it, and this administration will not, it basically says, according to the statute, nobody is supposed to be allowed to cross the border illegally. So we're from nobody crossing the border illegally according to the laws that have already been passed and are, and are currently in effect in the United States of America to now you have an administration that's going to allow 231,000 people to come in here legally this month. Really? So are you still buying the okey-doke from the Democrats that the, it's the immigration laws that need to be reformed? How about the immigration laws that need to simply be enforced? Could we start there? But of course, you keep voting Democrat because you keep listening to BS things that really don't matter. I really am concerned about the LGBTQ. I am not concerned about the people who are mentally deficient. They don't represent enough people in the United States for me to worry about their welfare. I'm not worried about trans, about transgender people who maybe in, on a good day are less than one one hundredth of one percent of anybody in America. Oh, well, more and more children. Now, more and more children are being told by a bunch of lunatics. That, oh, goodness. Let me carry this over into the next segment. Stanley Levy, back, black man thinking we'll be back right after this. I'll bet you've noticed there are food shortages happening just about everywhere. If you think it'll get worse before it gets better, don't get caught unprepared to feed your family. Prepare with Mojo50.com. When will your adventure begin? 
Join the Federation and become part of a mission to traverse to the skies. You can help our humanitarian missions and you can help our disaster response units. In a world where political discourse has left a void in our world's ability to help hurricane and other natural disaster victims, it's the role of the Federation to stand tall and make a difference. Shop the Federation Promenade and make your donation at trekfederation.com today. Attention all business owners and creative minds. Do you need a unique and personalized touch for your products? Look no further than Romika Laser Engraving and Custom Designs. I'm Ron Phillips, co-owner of Romika Designs. We offer custom laser engraving services for a variety of products, including promotional items and corporate or personal gifts. With state-of-the-art equipment and a team of skilled designers, we can engrave intricate designs on virtually any material. Whether it's a special message, a company logo, or a custom design, Romika Laser Engraving will help you make your mark. And the best part, our prices are affordable and our turnaround time is quick. I couldn't be happier with the work Romika Laser Engraving did for me. The engraving on my product was precise and exactly what I wanted. So don't wait any longer to add a personal touch to your products. Call Romika Laser Engraving and Custom Designs today at 817-400-4040 or visit our website at romikadesigns.com. We look forward to helping you make your mark. You want to wake up refreshed like you slept on a cloud. Get yourself the very best in bedding supplies today. You deserve it. Go to MyPillow.com and don't forget our very special promo code, Mojo50, for incredible savings. segment of the show as I was saying um, before the clock got me last segment you don't have more transgenders in this country you have more people telling impressionable children that they are transgender or that they should even aspire to be transgender and that everything homosexual or homosexual related is a good thing and should be normal and they should embrace it and you should go to the drag shows you can do All the while, they're doing a soft invasion, which you're allowing to have happen because you are sitting up here and examining your navel and trusting government to do the right thing, when even though they show you they will not do the right thing, you take no action. Get back to the border. So they're, they're now just basically processing people and after they quote unquote process, of, process them, I don't know what even, even what that means anymore because you can't get accurate counts of what's going on uh, from the Department of, Department of Homeland Security. They don't tell you anything that, that matters. They don't tell you anything that's true. Congress asked some questions and, and Mayorkas just, he just is... He has, he has total contempt for and disdain for Congress. He comes up there, plays word games, ignores their questions, ignores their requests. And what does the GOP do? They invite him back so he can make them look like 
impotent fools again. And they yell at him and they scream at him and he just sits there and smiles because he knows that they're not going to do anything about it. They know that. He knows that. But anyway, some, there's a concept that's called operational control of the border. And um, the Biden administration is now admitting which I guess is significant in one way or another, I don't know if I agree, that the U.S. no longer has operational control of the border. Now, listen to how the slippery elm ooze, also known as Alejandro Mayorkas, uh, frames this argument in one of his more recent <laughs> uh, forays before Congress. Uh, Mr. Secretary, um, I want to go back to the operational control issue that came up first by the ranking member when Congressman Nadler brought it up. Um, and, and you've addressed it, and I know that Mr. Roy uh, worked through that again, but it's so important. And I think it's such a source of frustration because every time you turn on a TV, there is this imagery that continues, which is people coming across the border. And whether I was in McCallum or, or in San Diego sector, wherever I was, when you talk to Border Patrol or you talk to your employees, Homeland Security, none of them None of them say, yeah, everything is going well, and there is certainly an operational control in place. So even by the definition, which you brought up a couple times, the Secure Fence Act, it, it, I don't think anybody asked you again today directly, do you believe that we have operational control at the border right now? Under the statutory definition. Right. Under the statutory definition. Do we have it? Under the statutory definition, Congressman, not a single individual can cross the border if one has operational control. Last year, approximately 1.7 million people crossed the border. We provide that information to Congress on a monthly basis. Under that definition, no administration has had operational control. What we do, what we do is ensure that the resources that we have are deployed most effectively to gain the greatest amount of control that we can. And I will tell you that the greatest resource that we have are the men and women of the Department of Homeland Security. Right, but what I think I just heard you say was, right now, I heard about the previous administrations. You know, you, you already established, I guess, that there was not operational control. So right now, we do not have operational control of the border. Is it, can, can, you, can you tell me that right now to uh, under this, this committee? Un, under the definition of the Secure right. Fence Act, right. we do not, and no administration has, because that means that not a single individual crosses the border. Okay. Okay, so we established that we do not have operational control right now. Under the definition of the Secure Fence Act. All right, so let me ask you a couple other questions. Because I think there's an acquisition, there's an, certainly I think we're acquiring numbers right now that I think are changing the dynamic of where we're at. Are unlawful entries between the ports of entry down right now, do you believe? Or, or are they being measured differently than they had been prior to Title 42? Uh, prior to Title 42, the yeah. numbers are down, Congressman. And that is a function of the approach that we have taken to expand lawful pathways and then deliver consequences for individuals who do not avail themselves of those pathways. So is that number only migrants stopped by Border Patrol agents? Is, is that the number that you're focused on? Or, or is, it, is it a number number of individuals beyond those that even have contact with Border Patrol? When we speak of, for example, the the, the Two weeks, let's just pick a period of time, the two weeks immediately preceding 
uh, the end of Title 42 uh, uh, on, May, on May 12th. When we take those two weeks and we compare the numbers that we are experiencing now, we include not only the apprehensions in between the ports of entry, Congressman, but we also include individuals who are um, entering through the ports of entry using one of the critical lawful pathways that we include. Found inadmissible at any ports of entry, categorical parole illegal aliens would also be part of that group. Is that not accurate? And then finally, gotaways. I'm so sorry. there's there's three categories of individuals we, as well. We don't we don't um, our, our parole authority, which is a discretionary authority, uh, codified in statute in the Immigration and Nationality Act, is a discretionary authority that we employ on a case by case basis. What we do is we define categories of individuals. Um, who uh, can access that, but we make the parole de decisions on a case-by-case -case basis. And then, so the actual total, this, these are the numbers that have been presented. 294,000 or 9,500 roughly a day right now are, are coming across. So do you, do you think at any point that that number uh, is being padded? I don't know how else to describe it. Maybe that's not the best term. But it, it's changed significantly than the way things were being counted prior to Title 42. No, Co Congressman, uh, we don't pad numbers. Uh, we uh, provide uh, numbers. We act in the Department of Homeland Security with integrity and honor. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. That, that Alejandro Mayorkas would even utter the words integrity and honor and the ground not open up underneath his feet or seat and swallow him whole is one of the most telling testaments of God's mercy to people on earth. Not necessarily God's concern for everybody here, but definitely mercy to Alejandro Mayorkas. That man I'm surprised he can utter the words. I, I would be even shocked to see that he could spell them. It's just amazing. But I want to go back to what he said about uh, operational control under the Secure Border, Secure, Secure Fences Act. I said Secure Borders before, and I was incorrect. The Secure Fences Act, the statute which says, according to the law, for us to have operational control, we are not to allow any to cross into the United States illegally. Nobody. And Mayorkas wants to now say, you know what? Ugh. You know, under under the um, statutory definition, nobody has ever had um, operational control uh, of the of the border. That's just not happened. We didn't have it. We don't have it in this administration. We didn't have it in the last administration. Of course, in the last administration, illegal immigration had dropped down to a relative trickle. And the administration, especially the president, was working actively with other governments to keep people from coming into America who are not coming in legally. Now, I know people say, well, you know, Donald Trump just hates immigrants. No, he said, we need the people. We want you to come. We just want you to come legally. So we can make sure that you're actually part of our nation as opposed to, I don't know what the heck you guys are doing right now. I really don't know what you guys are doing right now. I don't know. I'm not feeling it. So I, 
nevertheless, this guy wants to say that he, uh, in the in the uh, recesses of his heart, is actually going to do something positive for for somebody. I don't. I, but he is now saying operate well you know we don't have operational control but nobody's ever really ever had operational control so it's really not it's not reasonable for you to hold us to that standard nobody's ever had it well see that's what he just said and that was on the 26th of July of this year however he's saying an entirely different tune um, in the spring of 2022 on the 28th of April when he was accosted quite strongly in verbal tones anyway by Congressman Chip Roy of Texas. The only plan that you offer, the plan you just offered, is to process aliens faster and encourage more to come. We know that to be true. I know it's true. You know it's true. Cartels know it's true. And people around the world know it's true. And that's why people are coming. That is false. Secure, it's not false. Yes, it the is. entirety of your plan says that. This Cure Fence Act of 2006 says what? That the Secretary of Homeland Security shall take all actions the Secretary determines necessary to achieve and maintain operational control over the entire international land and maritime borders. Will you testify under oath right now? Do we have operational control, yes or no? Yes, we do. And we have we operational are, control of the borders. Yes, we do. And, Congressman, and we are working to... So what operational control defined? In this section, the term operational control means the prevention of all unlawful entries into the United States, including entries by terrorists, other unlawful aliens, instruments of terrorism, narcotics, and other contraband. Do you stand by in your testimony that we have operational control in light of this definition? And Congressman, I think the um, Secretary of Homeland Security would have said the same thing in 2020 and in 2019. The the, the, the Secretary would have at least had a basis for saying that we have some sort of control of the border. But the fact is, we currently have people flowing across the border, including dangerous narcotics and dangerous members of terrorists, which your own agency sent a letter to my office after eight months. We sent a letter saying there are 42 people on the terrorist watch list that are in the United States. You just said to Mr. Jordan, you don't even know where the hell they are. That's, that's what you're saying is operational control, including entries by terrorists and unlawful aliens. It's not. It's not operational control. You see how special that is? In July of 2023, Mayorkas says, no, we don't have operational control. And by the way, no administration has ever had operational control according to the Secure Fences Act of 2006. However, in April of 2022, he said, according to the definition of operational control in the Secure Fence Act of 2006, yes, we do have operational control. And millions of people have flowed over the border during the... <sighs> Bro be lying. That's the, that's, that's the... There's nothing else to call it. Bro be lying. And the question is, what, if anything, are you going to do? Now, before I get to the to you doing something about it, I saw something interesting online from, I think, Congressman Dan Bishop. Uh, and Bishop seems to be, you know, a good guy as, as Republicans in D.C. go. Because you have to be, you know, you have to be very, very careful when you're trying to call people um, good in the Republican Party because... If you measure words, yes, yes. If you measure results, I don't know how you get there. So here's, here's um, I think this is on t- 
Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it. Uh, some gentleman named Russ Vaught, I have no idea who that is. I don't know everybody. The American people won't be secure unless Congress defunds the weaponization of the Department of Justice. It must be a priority uh, in the funding battle this month. And that was from uh, Russ Vaught on uh, Saturday, September 16th, just this past Saturday. Well, Representative Dan Bishop, uh, quoting that text, says, Yes, the moment of truth is at hand. And of course, after months of idiotic dithering, many are losing their nerve. Calling for yet another punt. I'm not doing it. Really? With all due respect, Congressman Bishop, the only thing the Republican Party knows, in, in D.C. anyway, knows about football is what to do on fourth and long. You have punted on everything that matters because you have not stopped one policy. You have not stopped one destructive policy of the Biden administration. You have not done... It, the, the thing, here's the thing. The courts have done things. The states have done things. Working with the courts. But the Congress... Oh my gosh. You guys have been... You make impotent look like Schwarzenegger in the 1970s. You're worthless. Well, you know, we're the only game in town. Then we need to either change towns or change games. Because if you're the only game in town, we can't win. The American people cannot win. And that is part of the major problems that we're experiencing in this country. So now what you have in Representative Bishop is the GOP threatening to have a spine. I'm not doing it. I'm not going to punt. Well, I've heard that threat. I heard that threat from Marjorie Taylor Green before the election. We have the power of the person. We can defund. What have you defunded? What have you stopped? Where is the power of the purse? Uh, you guys keep voting for soft people who make harsh speeches. So hard speeches from soft people equal no results. Have you noticed that yet? Because if you haven't noticed it, you haven't been paying attention since 2010. Remember in 2010? We're going to repeal Obamacare. And that got them a sea change election. Because the Democrats had a 74-seat majority in the House and like a 18 to 20 seat majority in the Senate, it was almost Republican proof. And the American people said, oh my gosh, this is terrible. And the Republicans said, we'll save you. And then the people gave the House of Representatives over to Congress, who did absolutely nothing about the Obamacare they promised to stop. Well, you know, you got to have the Senate. No, 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 no. You got to basically say we're not funding it. Well, then you're going to shut down the government your point well people depend on the government 
Yeah, Democrats depend on the government too. Tell them that basically, as soon as your as soon as your people agree to go along with the will of the public, which demonstrated in the last election, everything will flow. But your compassion for individual groups is undermining your concern for the republic. I'm reminded of what Abraham Lincoln said with regard to emancipation of slaves and maintaining the republic. Because he made it really clear what his priority was, which I think should still be the priority for the American president and also the American Congress. I believe he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I care not about the freedom of the slaves. I care about maintaining the republic. If I could free all of the slaves and maintain the republic, I would do it. If I could free none of the slaves and maintain the republic, I would do that. If I could free some of the slaves and leave some of them um, still in bondage and maintain or save the republic, I would do that. The priority has to be the republic. You cannot let the republic fall or fail. And the truth of the matter, right now, the republic is doing a bit of both. It is falling, it is failing. And if you're not recognizing that, I don't know where you are, I don't know what you're paying attention to. Because here's, here's one of the things that comes down to it's going back to the fact that we have um, public education, which is just public indoctrination, They're not teaching kids anything that matters. All you got to do is look at some of the um, reports in some of the uh, more populous states like California, look at the education reports, and you see the kids are getting dumber and dumber uh, while still being given credit for being smarter. It's, it's, that's as simple as that. They're dumb as doorknobs, but we're still graduating them out of high school. They don't know anything. They know less now than they did 20 years ago. And not to mention they're being indoctrinated into things that have nothing to do with education at all. Okay? You want to know why that is? Because we have so many people who have never read the Declaration of Independence. It goes unread. But they jump over the Declaration of Independence, which is the foundation of the country. It's the founding document of the country. It's the only founding document of the country. The Constitution is not a founding document. The United States was more than a decade old before the Constitution was even drafted. And it didn't took another two years. It was drafted in 1787, wasn't ratified till 1789. So the United States had been in existence for 13 years before the Constitution came around. The Constitution is not the founding document. It is not. It, the founding document of the United States of America is a Declaration of Independence, and you can count on one hand of the people you know, most people, if they even know what the self-evident truths are. They don't even know how many there are. I'll help you. There are five. Here's what they are. And on a good day, you'll find people who know the first three. We hold these truths to be self-evident. Number one, that all men are created equal. Number two, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights. Number three, that among these, in other words, it's not a comprehensive list or an exhaustive list. 
that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Number four, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. No, I'm not reading this. I I am actually I'm an actual American. I believe this stuff, and I have I believe it so much that I've memorized it, just like I've memorized certain verses of Scripture, because I believe them to be true. Number five, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundations on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Guys, the Constitution is meaningless. Americanism is not defined by the Constitution, is defined by the five self-evident truths I just repeated in your hearing. You have a government that is run afoul of the Constitution, that's okay, fine. Do the same thing with the Constitution that the Lord God of Israel did with the law. He found no fault in the law, but he found fault with the people. And as a result, he brought in a new covenant. I don't have any problem with the Constitution, but you have a problem with the people who call themselves living by the Constitution and operating under the Constitution, mostly on the Democrat side, but far from solely. Far from solely on the Democrat side. But there's nothing wrong with the declaration except for the fact that you don't that, that you don't even know what it says. You don't know what it says. You know what comes after that last? Trying to trying to engage in memory again. Trying to remember what it says after that last self-evident truth. So let me see. To affect their safety and happiness, prudence indeed will dictate that governments long established should not be abandoned for light and transient causes. And indeed all experience has shown that mankind is more disposed to suffer while evils are sufferable than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed, saying, you know, you just don't get rid of things for light and transient causes because you're more likely to suffer if you do that than make things better. But when a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to devise new guards for their future security. You are looking at black letter. What's going on in this country matches what the founders were talking about in the 18th century, almost down to the letter a long train of abuses and usurpations pursuing invariably the same object. They want 
to reduce you under despotism or some form thereof. And the thing I like that people do, that, that a feminine nation, and which is what we are becoming if we're not already that, can't handle what, what the charge is for that. It is their right, beyond a right. It is their duty. You have a duty to get rid of this government. Why? Is it, well, you know, to throw off, go, well, you know, in the next election, no, because the elections happen under the, under the guise or under the auspices of the current government. Why would I want to vote when I want to get rid of the government for which, under which, you know, that, that is actually supervising elections? You need to get rid of the whole thing. Get rid of it. Well, then how are we going to govern? Well, how did we govern before? We, we did all this before. And you got to remember, when we formed the United States of America, people forget this, they didn't tell you what form of government they were going to. You read the declaration. They just said they need to get away from the king. They need to get out from under this particular monarchy. They did not in any way, shape, or form indicate with what they would replace that monarchy. The important thing is not to figure out how what I'm going to replace it with. The important thing is to get rid of what needs to be replaced. Today's problem is getting rid of the government. Tomorrow's problem is figuring out what to replace it with. If you really believe in freedom and individual liberty, that's a good problem to have after you've taken care of your duty to throw off a government that would seek to reduce you under absolute despotism. And that's our show. God bless you. God keep you. As always, it's my prayer. And until next week, if God says the same, do take care. is the seditious, rabble-rousing, liberty-loving, home of fun, entertaining, and compelling talk. Mojo 5 -0.